Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Thanks for joining us again on the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, or if it's your first time, welcome, where we're going to, every week, we're going to have a conversation about getting better, improving, living eyes up and what that means to us. And sometimes we have guests and sometimes it's just us, but today we were fortunate enough to have a guest and he's uh, brings the juice as our former coach would say. And I forgot, see, I'm, I'm so jacked up, Jamie, that I forgot to even introduce myself. I'm John Shirky here with my friend and co-host Jamie Wagner. It, it's good to get after it again with you today. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm amped up about our conversation we just had. Yeah. Um, same, same. Absolutely. It's, um, it's incredible to be given this opportunity. Uh, we say it all the time, but it never loses its luster or its excitement when we get to, you know, not be face to face, but this is the beauty of, I think in some ways, what has happened in the last 12 months for a lot of us is that we've expanded our reach to be able to connect and touch base with so many more people. Cause we're just much more aware of how to do this long distance video conferencing thing. And we get to have conversations with people all over the country about what it means to them to grow. And, uh, Jason Lydon today, he did, he brought it and we were, uh, you know, we're growing from it still. And we're going to take the time to reflect on it when it's over. But, um, I was, I was really excited to have this conversation with him today. Yeah. And, and, frequently, you know, we go in not knowing we have some idea of what we want to get out of the conversation and where we want it to go. And I, again, you say the beauty of these conversations is it, it usually takes a different direction because when we start to have conversations that really matter, we start to ask each other questions that make us think about not only our present, but where did we come from? Where do we want to go? Right. And once we start throwing ideas around, that's when real growth happens. So we're excited that you joined us. You're either listening or watching, you know, if you aren't watching and you would like to watch the video, we have a YouTube channel, Eyes Up Mindset channel. Um, we'd love to have you check out the videos there. Otherwise, we appreciate you listening wherever you're listening and, and the support that you as a listener continue to provide us. Yeah. Jason Lydon, he's our guest today. Uh, trains CrossFit athletes, has a gym, CrossFit Milford, um, part of the Conquer Athlete podcast. Um, Conquer Athlete is where you can find a lot of his stuff, but um, he's an elite coach. He, he said, I don't think I'm elite. I don't think I'm that good, right? Which, but, makes, him, which makes him that much better, probably. Absolutely. And we were, we were directed at him because of how he coaches people. And, and we know that our audience has coaches and, and athletes trying to improve in it. And, and if you're really looking to, it's a great place to start today. Well, and even if you're not in a coach, we're all coaches, right? We're all teaching, whether it be in yeah. our work or our families or wherever. So uh, let's get after it. Jason Lydon. Jason, welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Pod. I see you got your fit aid. You're right, ready to rock. I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, I'm excited and I appreciate it. Hey, Jason, we we got connected through a former guest, Angelo, and he he spoke very highly of you as a coach. And what what we're about is growing people and getting better, right? And as a coach. 
that is our calling, right? I think that's, that's who we are and what we're about. What drew you to coaching CrossFit specifically, and then training individuals in the fitness realm? Mm. That's a great question. How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) I'll, um, I'll dive into it. I have a tendency to ramble, so I apologize for that. And I'll try to, I'll try to kind of bring it all back together, but I went to college for phys ed and health and exercise science. So this is something that I was always passionate about. And I grew up playing basketball. So I was in college playing hoops, uh, studying phys ed, health, exercise sciences, and kind of going down that route. And I got to my senior year and I had the professor that I really vibe with, he came from Ohio state. So I was kind of like at a fork and I was, I was going to go to Ohio state and intern to be a strength coach there and kind of go through that whole collegiate gamut, which if you guys, for anybody listening, it's a pretty rigorous gamut. You know, it's like you bounce around from college to college and you end up in some obscure places, hopefully they're trying to like make your way up to the head spot. Or I was going to go to a couple agency camps for basketball to get an agent to try to play basketball overseas. And I ended up going to play basketball. So I went to an agency camp out in Utah and like, that's my first experience to altitude and, and just different like depths of training. I got my, I got smashed. Mm-hmm. So I came back, I reset, I went out to Boston and I got an agent in Boston. I ended up making it to Holland and I was playing basketball overseas in Holland. And when my career ended, I was kind of like at a crossroads again, because I didn't want to go through like that collegiate gamut, you know, of, of running that gamut being who knows where, because I just met my now wife and I was like, man, I don't feel like dragging her around because you know, I talked to him extensively in college. I knew what, what the path was going to look like. And CrossFit wasn't really around. So it was kind of like being a personal training at a big time studio, which I was like, ah, I just don't, I don't really see myself going to like a 24 hour fitness or fitness edge and just like running training sessions, like nonstop there. But one of my friends, so anyways, so I went into financial planning <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, uh, cause that's where my wife was working and she said, well, you know, they're pretty cool here. We kind of gave you something. I was like, all right, I'll try it out. So to backtrack and here I go with the ramble. So my basketball career ended like, like I put my foot under a lawnmower, like chopped my toes up Ooh. in the hospital for three weeks, bedridden for like four months. Like I was at my highest high, like, all right, cool. I'm in Holland. I'm heading out to Norway. And then I was like, boom, like just fell off the face of the cliff, like instantly. Right. And that really like shook my world. I was like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what direction I'm going. I mean, I was racing motorcycles. I was doing MMA. Like I was just trying to latch on because my whole identity was a basketball player. And now that was gone. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I'm just trying to figure out who I am in this world. So I went into that industry and after like, I lasted a year. And I think I lasted a year just for my work ethic. Cause I was like, I'm just not failing. So I kept, I was like, I just want, I want to pull my eyes out. Like, this is not, this is not for me. As I, like, I was talking to my wife, I was like, I have to go back to just training and coaching. Cause that's what I was always passionate about, you know, growing up playing basketball, I was athletic and I was good, but I was like the most athletic. And I came from a well-off family and I used to just sit there watching like the old Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan videos nonstop. Right. And they're talking about just working hard and, I was like, you know, what? I just have to outwork everybody. So I had like the jump soles. You guys familiar with the jump soles? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, dude, I had the jump soles. Like if we went on family vacations and 
we didn't have, we were good, but we weren't well off. So we went to like Florida trips. We would drive. I would make my parents stop so I could do my jump so well, <laughs> work out, drive down to Florida, like different states. Like I was just a hard worker. Like I'd wake up at 5 a.m. and run stairs starting in like the seventh grade. And then in high school, I would get the janitors to open the gym for me early and I'd go in there and I'd do shooting drills before school started and I'd be training after. But I always gravitated to just training and hard work. So like a year into the financial spot, I was like, I got to get out. I got to figure something out. So I scrounged up any money that we had. And my wife, she's always having a back. She's like, I will, we don't have money, but we'll figure something out. And we don't have kids. So let's let it ride now and, you know, see what happens. So I scrounged up whatever I could. Uh, I opened up a small training studio and I was just rocking and rolling with that. You know, like the high intensity interval training sessions, personal training, kind of like the whole gamut, right? And I went down and someone showed me CrossFit and I was like, all right, cool. Like, I get it. Like I do it, you know, it's what everyone does. But then I went down to a seminar in Virginia when Greg Glassman was still coaching the seminars and it was really cool to kind of hear him talk. And he's a great speaker and that kind of pulled me in. So I came back and that's when I kind of switched the facility over to like a CrossFit facility in back in like 2008. And then it's kind of like expanded throughout the years. And we do a ton of work with fighters and, sports teams and people all over the place, but we've kind of built the name of the brick and mortar of CrossFit Milford. So I've kind of always kept it there, but sure. that's kind of like the, the long, the abbreviated version, I guess, of, of where I got to where I am. Yeah. So in the middle there, you were talking about how you just had this, this work ethic. I'm going to outwork everything, right? I'm going to work hard. I'm going to, I'm going to do the thing, whether it's the jumping stuff or the financial planning I'm just going to, I'm going to work hard and it's going to work out. Right. And I think there's, that's incredible value and incredible skill to have. But I think there's also times where hard work isn't the only thing that matters. Right. And I think that was, you know, part of your financial planning maybe is you were working really hard, but it maybe wasn't going to work out in the end, even though like, Hey, I'm going to push through, I'm going to get to this thing. I'm not going to fail. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, you know, I made myself read books and study courses and I was like, ah, it's not, it's not what I want to do. You know, like I'd still be going to bed every single night. Like, all right, cool. Like what work am I doing tomorrow? Like, I, you know, I was, I was reading up on this training program. I'm going to try that. Oh, cool. Like German volume training. Cool. Let me, let me figure that out. Right. Which was terrible for the cycle <laughs> that I did. But so, so finally, like, I just got to get back to, to what I love doing. Right. I love coaching. I love training. I love being healthy and I love working with people to instill that and trying to motivate them. So I just had to get back to it. So, so what I, makes you go ahead? What makes you good at it? You've obviously had a ton of success. What allows you to be great in this space? Mm, I think, I don't think I'm good or great. So yeah. I constantly am working to, to be better. It, it, it's a never ending process for me because it's something that I absolutely love to do and like this year i've already done four courses like four new training courses on different things and i'm constantly reading and studying because it's i just love coaching i love training i love everything about it so but i also reflect a lot and i've, I've always reflected whether i was playing or coaching i was like how i can be better you know and i'll always sit down and be like wow like like that workout really was dumb. Like that was not good. Why was that? Like, what was I thinking to do that? Or I could have coached this person way better. 
how can I get better at coaching? And I'm always trying to just further develop myself to be better and better and better. And my wife is great because I'm very much, I can very much get like on the far end of the spectrum and like have blinders on and like only do this one thing and keep working on it. And she's great at like a, kind of pulling me back and be like, I right, will, you got to come back over here, you know? So I guess to answer your question, it's, um, the the constant pursuit of, of self-development you know and improvement no i think we all need people in our life right that pull us back and we talk a lot about on our podcast about having people in your life that are willing to say hey have you thought about this you know even i know you're going down this road but it's it, what about this and 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 pull us back so I think it's really cool that you have that relationship with your wife and certainly even about your work. You know, I think my wife and I, we renovate houses and we work together some, but we also realize there's limitations to that because there are times where, you know, we, we don't communicate as well in that. And I need to hear the feedback from someone else and vice versa. Right. But mm. I think that's a really incredible relationship to be able to have, get that feedback and say, Hey, Let's, uh, let's pull back and get back on the spectrum here where, where it's healthier, maybe. Yeah, like I can't agree more. And I got to credit my wife for that. I'm a very intrinsic person. And, you know, I coach and I talk a lot and I love talking, but I'm not, I don't like meeting people. I don't like expressing my feelings. I, it, it, and I'm Irish too. So it's like, if something <laughs> like hits me the wrong way, I'm just like, you know, F it. Like I'm moving on from it. It's done. And my wife's fantastic at kind of making me talk and communicate and, and through that process really of she was actually the first one to to really talk to me about the art of communication and it, it was a simple book of like the five love languages yeah. and that was kind of like the start I think to to something that really helped me with coaching because I read that book and then her and I had so many conversations on that because we from a communicative standpoint, it's different for each of us. And I was like, wow, like if communicating with my wife is, is she receives language like this way and I'm giving it this way. Well, does that apply to coaching? You know? And, and then I kind of started diving down like different archetypes and how to talk to different people and reading into body languages and, and personality types and being a better coach, just simply off understanding the person more and how they can receive information. And, I actually had some really good teachers on that. My, I did a year and a half at Springfield College my first year. And there's a volleyball coach there, Joel Daring. And he was a professor there on coaching. And it was amazing because his entire course was on coaching relationships and talking to people. And as I sat through the, co the course as a freshman, you know, I'm a freshman in college. So I wish I paid more attention to it. But there's some things that he said. And I, now I'm like, wow, like. Joel was talking about that, you know, 27 years ago to me. So I was pretty fortunate to kind of sit through his course, but that's something that catapulted me with the most was just language and understanding language more. I think you like are willing, you know, and this is, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to answer the question I asked you earlier. Like this tells me why you're a good coach. You're, you're willing to take something that feels so foreign to a lot of us as coaches, something that like the five love languages, right? That's a conversation between me and my spouse or me and my significant other. No, you said, I'm going to take this thing from over here. I'm going to translate that skill 
and I'm going to be vulnerable enough to say, I'm not good at this thing. Let's go. Where does that come from? Where does that ability to say, I'm going to do this thing from over here and I'm going to try it over here. Cause a lot of people want, don't want to take that risk and maybe fail. Well, man, that's a great question. Um, I think if I would really think about that, the art of being vulnerable and, and transferring of skills, I don't know. You know, I, I know I've always reflected a lot from playing basketball and big, like, why am I not a certain way or how can I get better and what do I have to do to get better? And I were think you willing I to reach out and get feedback through that process? Was that something you were always, oh, always doing also? hundred percent. I think I just, I think I don't, I don't fear failure and I don't fear of, of looking a certain way. Yeah. I, I could care less, you know, and I think that helps me a lot. Like if I don't know something cool, I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to try to get better at it. And if I look like an idiot, I don't, I could care less what I look like, you know? So I think those two things help me with it. Yeah. No and, question. And, and that's a, but that's a question too, because I think that's again, a skill that you have. Where did, did that, has that always been a part of who you were or was that something growing up or in college or playing professionally? Where, where did you learn to say, Hey, I don't care how I look anymore. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get better. I'm going to figure it out. It doesn't matter. Cause uh, what you think of me, this is, I'm going down this road. You know, I, I think it was like, I, I, I think major changes or effects happen through two things, right? Either desperation or extreme purpose. And you're like completely desperate to be like, you know, I'm tired of being overweight. I'm tired of being weak. I'm, I just have to do this to get better or extreme purpose where you're like so driven to be, to reach or achieve a, a goal or to take the next step that nothing else matters. You're just going to keep doing what you have to do. So for me, I think it was a little bit about a little bit of both. I had desperation of just not wanting to be a certain way, and I had extreme purpose. And I think the the mixture of those two just allowed me to view certain things as either unimportant in that path. And the way I presented or, or, or looked over not knowing something, like I didn't care. But I also think some of that stemmed from some of my mentors, and I had lots of mentors who we're the same way. And one of my first mentors told me that it's okay to not know the answer. Like great coaches don't know every answer. It's impossible. And it's okay to not have the answer as long as you're willing to find it, you know, and, and having good mentors that spoke to me the right way, I think helped with that as well. I so, think as, as coaches, not only being willing to say, I don't know the answer, I'm going to find it, but also humbling yourself enough to say that my, my athletes, the people that I'm coaching might help me get to that answer. Because I think so many coaches, it's like, I either know the answer or I'm going to pretend to know the answer. Or if I don't know the answer, I'm certainly not letting my athletes know or, you know, provide feedback. But I think that's what separates even, you know, probably good from bad coaches, not even great coaches, but it's the willingness to have your athletes influence you. If you don't know the answer, I think mm -hmm. that's, that's really cool. Absolutely. You had, have you had anybody walk that road with you where you were training them or coaching them, but you just took huge stuff from them? So like athletes that I was coaching? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's everyone. I, I, I feel like I can, I learn something more from almost every athlete that I coach, you know, and whether it's like to really as simple and it's not simple, but 
the relationship between intensity and volume and how that kind of changes and affects for people and um, language, how to talk to people, you know, um, how to coach people. There, there's so many different nuances that people kind of give out that the more I pick up on them, I feel like it's just kind of like the, the better coach I can become. And it takes a while, right? Because there's different levels of coaching and stages. And like you have your beginning stages of just like being a builder and trying to acquire all the information you possibly can and create this tool belt. And then you have the technician stage where you're just trying to like continually refine your craft of the different stages of coaching. And then as you progress through that technician stage and, and reach the next level, which some of us never get to and some of us do, you kind of pick up on smaller things that you might've missed before because you're in different stages. And as the different stages develop for coaches and time passes, they can continually pick up on other things like, wow, that's been sitting right in front of me this entire time. And now I see it and you can kind of refine different methods that you used around that, you know? And I learned a lot from people like Dan, John and Eric Cressy when I first coming up and, and I remember when I was first coming up and I'd speak to those guys a lot. And as far as like going back a little bit, cause I had this recent thought, I remember asking them questions about stuff as it related to like CrossFit, you know? And they're like, I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea. Right. And I was like, Oh wow. Like this dude is reading articles and books and research and he's completely comfortable with being like, I don't know, hmm. you know, but this might help with that. And, and that kind of opened up my eyes to that more and, did I answer your question? I, I feel think, like I just rambled all over the place. No, I, th I think <laughs> okay. it's great. I, I love the distinction between the builder phase and the technician phase, right? That that there are times and and we work with teams, right? We work with teams that are at different stages in the process. Some teams competing for championships, some teams at that very, very beginning, that builder phase. Could you walk us through, and maybe you don't have a great answer, but this just kind of came to me. Is what are some of the biggest wastes of time? in those two stages, right? What things are we, we doing that doesn't serve us when we're trying to build? You talked about gaining as much information as possible. And I think that's great, but is, is maybe chasing a championship in that builder phase, something that's a waste of time. You know, that, those are things that are coming to my head because it, it's a little bit organic here, but that's a great question. I think that's a great, great question. Yeah. I think in the builder phase, you know, I think nowadays builders waste time by trying to build too much. I think I'm a huge believer in principles and there's 8 million different methods. And I think people too early try to master like all these different methods based on what they're hearing or seeing versus just really dialing into the principles of whatever their niche is, like the principles of strength or power or hypertrophy or fitness or capacity, whatever it might be. And I think when you're in the early stages, the more you can truly dial into principles, it leaves the next stage, which is the technician stage, more time for you to really understand how the methods apply to the principles versus trying to like backtrack or just keep swimming upstream. So I think that's, I think that can bring new coaches the biggest bang for their buck is really dial into the principles first of what your niche is and then expand your principles. And then from there, 
understand the application of methods to the principles. So good. I think, yeah, that's incredible. I think back, I, I used to be a head football coach, high school football coach, Jason in, in Colorado. And I think back, I, I took over a program that was very much in the builder stage. And just in terms of the program, it was, Hey, we're either going to cut the program or, you know, we need a new head coach when I arrived on the scene. And so I think back to that and it's like, I did try to do too much because I had all of these things that I wanted to instill. Right. And, and I ended up being, you know, being there for three years. And, and now that I look back, I wish I, I, I wish I could do it again because I would do half or less of the stuff that I tried to do. Because like you said, find the principles, right. Nail it, drill into those things. And then you can start to, to build upon those. I think that's incredible advice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we obviously are about the mental game, right? Our mm. podcast is called Eyes Out Mindset. When you look at first principles of mental skills in dealing with amazing challenge, which to me is the fitness process, CrossFit games, what do you think those first couple principles are? If you were to talk to one of the groups that we were working with and you said the mental skills, the mental toughness that you need is founded in this place you give us two or three that you think just are huge no for this one um <laughs> i think you know this is a deep question because this is a road i've gone down extensively this past year and a half was really trying to understand mental fitness and mental resiliency yeah look at fitness and conditioning is like two different things, right? So fitness is if you're too max, your squat, your snatch, et cetera. But conditioning is the application of the mental side of it with your fitness. And that's why many people have great fitness, but in my mind, not really good conditioning because they can't apply the mental side of it. So where does the mental, from a principal standpoint with improving the mental game, where does that really stem from? And I think I would classify it as three things. Number one, your inner story. And I think lots of people don't really understand their inner story or what that inner story is. An inner story can really tie back to you as a child, how you were spoken to, how you were told to look at things and view things. And those inner stories can dictate the second principle, which is your inner dialogue. And if the inner stories are never really expressed or analyzed, then they are blockages and they're continue to block people from, from allowing what I'm going to say is freedom to perform or execute because their inner dialogue is going to continually pull them back. Whether it's like, you can't do this. This is too hard. You're not ready for it. Who do you think you are even trying to do this? Right. And then the third principle from there would be the understanding that nothing is guaranteed and that's okay. And I think you can put forth all the effort in the world and the hard work and the dedication and the sleep and the nutrition and the training, but still you're at that goal of what you're shooting for. It's not guaranteed to you. And I think once you're okay with that and you refine your inner dialogue and you, and you're able to release that inner story, you truly allow yourself the freedom to be you and to perform and to execute and to be okay with, with what you do and to be okay if it doesn't turn out the way you want it to turn out 
because everything else is dialed in from that spiritual standpoint. Yeah, that's, that's incredibly powerful. And I think when we do connect with that inner story, you're able to hear the inner dialogue and you're ultimately able to say, you know what? This doesn't define me. I think you talked about it when you got done playing basketball. I think we all struggle with that when we end our athletic careers. It's like I'd spent so much time working towards this goal and I didn't reach the pinnacle because so very few do reach the pinnacle. And it's like, who am I now? Well, what's the inner story I've told myself for so long is that if I didn't get to that level, maybe I'm not good enough or maybe people won't like me or care for me. Well, look, there's all these people that like me and care for me. It obviously didn't matter in that way. And I think, I just think you had, I mean, I I hadn't heard it described in that way before, but I think that is, it's uh, really, really good. Thanks, man. Yeah. That's a great question. I really maybe kind of dive deep and think, yeah. All right. I got to ask Jason, let's, let's lighten it up just a little because I know we've been hitting you with some deep stuff, but I see the wings poster behind you, which if, if you don't know what that is and you're listening, it's Michael Jordan, iconic wings poster. He's got his hands out to the side, palm of the basketball. What's your, uh, what's your Mount Rushmore of of basketball players in order? Is LeBron, is LeBron even in the conversation? Oh my God, that's such a good one. How many do I get? With, yeah, you get four, but I was going with an easy question after all these emotionally. Uh, all right, so I got to say Jordan, obviously, right? Um, I'm going to say Wilt Chamberlain. I'm going to say Kobe Bryant. It's like, uh, this fourth one is, is, it's tough for me because it's like, the, if I want to go with someone that completely like changed the game, then yeah, like LeBron and his abilities and size and strength, like he can be up there. But I feel like there's also other players that, you know, like the Elgin Baylors or the Pete Maraviches, um, so many of these these other guys that really kind of catapulted it. But if I say, all right, like who was like completely dominant, I gotta say LeBron. So I'll say I'll say Jordan, uh, Kobe, LeBron, and Will. I love it, man. I love it. What were, which of those four were you most like as a ball player? None. (laughs) (laughs) None, not one. Uh, I was a shooting guard. I love to shoot. So I would say, I'm going to love to say Jordan because that's who I grew up idolizing watching. For sure. But I couldn't do any of his moves. You know, I was just, I was more like the Steve Kerr as opposed to like the Jordan, you know? But hey, uh, Steve yeah. Kerr, Steve Kerr has done great for himself in terms. Oh of- my God, Steve Kerr is a man. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, no doubt. I, I I feel like that. I have a lot of questions about your playing career too. That could be another episode down the road someday. I would love to love to hear more about your story and that. But Jason, you, I, we know you're a busy dude. You're in the middle of the CrossFit, kind of finishing up your season. Where can people engage with your stuff if they want to connect with you on social media or or wherever? Yeah, totally. So conquerathlete.com. Um, from there, we have the podcast, Conquer Athlete Podcast. We have Instagram with myself, Jason Lydon, where I'll do what's well, mostly like on coaching and things or the Conquer Athlete Instagram. And that's good. That's good. Yeah, man. Cool. We are so grateful you joined us. Uh, I got all kinds of stuff. This is my favorite part of the pod. We get to learn from dudes like you who are in the battle with us, uh, yeah. learning and growing. And uh, thanks for all you gave us today. Thanks for, thanks for uh, having me on. I really appreciate it. This is great. Thank you guys.
Thanks again to Jason Lydon for joining us on the podcast. My mind is kind of all over the place, Jamie, and it's amazing material, amazing message. What do yeah, you got? I'm kind of tingly right now, right? Like when I get these, which is a good thing, interactions where like I just am here, right? I, mm -hmm. Those of you that are watching the video, it's like above baseline, right? I'm kind of, I'm dialed in. My focus is high. This is the value of connecting with other people. Number one, number two, connecting with good material. Sometimes I read a book and I'm just like, my brain is racing. And that's where I am after that conversation today. I thought there was some, some huge takeaways in there. Um, Agreed. I, I think the, you know, the thing that sticks with me is that inner, inner story, inner dialogue part and how that, you know, it could stem back from something as simple as messages you were told when you were younger, you know, as he was talking through that, I was thinking about how even my wife and I differ in this, where for me, looking back, it was always be careful, right? Be safe, you know, not necessarily don't screw it up, but that was kind of the subliminal message that I received because of that. And that's something that I fight still to this day is that be careful inner dialogue, because then what that does to me is it holds me back from trying new things. And to be honest with you, it, it prevents me from being as comfortable with failure. Right. And that was kind of that last part where he's just like, it's not always going to work out and you can be okay with that. And sometimes for me, that's, that's not how, how I've, how I feel about it. Right. I care about how it, it, it turns out. And, and that again, prevents me from taking that risk. Well, I think the thing that he said, you know, his inner story, what do you, what things were you told, right? As a child, then that becomes your inner dialogue at some point in time. And then ultimately when you can reconcile those things, there's freedom. It lets you oh, let freedom. go of these things. And he said that too. He's like, there's this freedom about this stuff that is, that is amazing. And freedom to perform, I think is what it's yeah. crazy. It's awesome. And you know, that stuff was incredibly powerful. And, and to me, when I think about the coaches out there that are listening, there are the, the two stages and getting back to the principles at the beginning is absolutely crucial. You know, I think at times we, even those of us competing for championships get lost in the outcome drivenness of things. And we forget the principles that we built this thing for right? And what we are about. And so where are you? You know, we leave you guys with a question and a challenge all the time. Where are you? If you're a parent or a teacher or a coach or in business, where are you? Are you in the builder stage where you need to get, you need to pair it back. You need to get specific and detailed about what are the principles that matter? Or are you in that technician stage where you can start looking at what is execution and application look like? And let me build on those principles. And now let me give those principles and that application away. I, man, there is, I could talk about it forever, but those two questions, like, where are you and how do you do it? If you can start to answer those things, that's an amazing first step, second step, third step, take a step. And as always, live eyes up. <laughs>